You're listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach, and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an instructional coach, resource creator, and coffee enthusiast. And I'm your host. Stay tuned for practical tips and honest coaching talk that will help you coach with confidence. Hey coaches, I'm so glad you're here with us today for this episode of Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Today we're talking about the number one skill that instructional coaches need to possess, good communication. My guest today is Melanie Matthews of Literacy at Work. Thank you so much for being here today, Melanie. Hi, Chrissy. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to join you. Yes, I'm excited to talk to you too because I think this is such an important topic and a lot of people are going to walk away with a lot of valuable ideas from what you share with us today. So can you get us started by introducing yourself and your educational path a little bit so we understand, you know, everything that's led into your career and and where you are right now? Sure. So I began um, from 24 years ago is when I first became an educator. And um, I taught first and second grades, and then I moved up to seventh grade and sixth grade. And I'm like, okay, what am I doing? (laughs) But it was a pleasure to teach those big kids because I learned that those were my babies, just Mm -hmm. only in big kid bodies same thing. They needed love, attention, affection, all that good stuff. And so after being a teacher for about nine years, I saw a job posting, which I thought that I wasn't ready for to become Mm -hmm. a literacy coach. And so I just said, okay, well, I'll go ahead and apply for it. And if I get it, I do. If I don't, oh, well, it's not a big deal. Got the job. So I was very thrilled with becoming a literacy coach. And that was in 2006. And um, I was a literacy coach at the building level before becoming a literacy coach at the district level. Also at the district level, I was an early childhood specialist, a mathematics specialist. Ask me how. I don't know. Literacy (laughs) is my cup of tea. (laughs) Um, And I also worked for the Office of Leadership and Accountability. Um, And that journey took me to becoming a regional literacy coach, um, coaching in six cities in the Midwest. And at the same time, I was also a national educational consultant for a company based in California. So I was everywhere doing everything at the (laughs) same time. But I loved it all because because I am a lifelong learner, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm learning everything. I'm learning that the more things change, the more things stay the same. So no matter where we were, where I was, there were still the same issues being dealt with everywhere in education. Sure. So, um... From there, um, during that time, with me being so in love with literacy, I had an opportunity to see the gaps between what students should know and be able to do and what teachers were actually teaching them or how they were teaching them. And there was this huge gap. And so I said, okay, well, maybe I'll create a company called Literacy at Work Mm -hmm. to help address or fill those gaps in literacy. Um, One thing I have to say is that, you know, sometimes as educators, we're working in our own silos. And so we don't know what's going on beyond our classroom walls. And Mm -hmm. so once I became a coach and was able to see that, you know, I'm like, okay, well, I thought everybody was doing what I was doing. And not to say that everything that I did was right, but I actually took things and used them and implemented them. And I thought everybody had that same energy and that just wasn't true. And especially at that time, being in a master's program for literacy, you know, I'm just super excited to use these things and I'll go into other 
teachers' classrooms, and I'm like, uh, what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, hello. So, <laughs> so that led me to the journey of um, just wanting to educate teachers mm -hmm. on how to teach literacy effectively. And so I began just um, writing proposals to conferences everywhere and, and just being on that stage and having the opportunity to share what I knew about literacy so that everybody could know and have a better understanding that especially you don't have to be a literacy teacher in order for you to teach literacy. That's so right. that's what got me to this point today, 24 years later. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, I love that your past has, you have so many different experiences and I'm sure that really supports you in doing the work that you're doing now. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the essential skills, like to get to our topic of communication, um, what mm -hmm. are some of the essential skills that coaches need to communicate well? Ooh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so let me see if I can simplify this because okay. there are so many communication yeah. skills that, that are needed, but those communication skills are developed over time. Mm -hmm. When you first become a coach, you really don't know what you don't know. You know what people have told you, but those in between the line things, I call them, when you have to read between the lines, you don't really know how to finesse situations or be able to get into the groove so that you can get to where you need to go or be with with teachers so in terms of communicating I would say the absolutely number one essential thing you need for communication is to be present you have to be present and in the moment when you're talking to teachers yeah. and you have to make sure that you're giving them your undivided attention another critical communication skill is your nonverbal <laughs> language or your body language because that can send so many different signals mm -hmm. and you want to be so i'm just going long story short i have been told that i don't have a poker face well, <laughs> that is something i have worked very hard on as well because i did not have i mean i think i've gotten better but yes i know exactly where you're uh -huh. Uh-huh. So uh -huh. you saw exactly what I was thinking all the time. So, <laughs> so that's something that I had to, and I continue to work on mm -hmm. because what you reflect to teachers through your facial expressions will determine the outcome of your conversation. Mm -hmm. So you have to be sure that you're wearing that poker face and that you have that, um, the, the nonverbal or the body language is, is a positive thing yeah. and so when you're talking about communicating it, and it's such a big piece it's such a big piece because you're talking about written communication um if you're emailing teachers how is that tone because so many times the tone can be misperceived as being or saying one thing and you didn't mean to say it like that mm -hmm. and so but you have to be able to listen <laughs> yeah. listen to what they're saying and not just to respond just to respond or not to, how can I say this, to listen to them with a preconceived answer. Mm -hmm. So you're listening to answer instead of listening to help. Yes. 
Yeah, I, I can see that totally. I know that that's something that I have to work against a lot as well because I do. I I'm, I tend to be like a problem solver in the moment. And I was just talking to, um, I think I was talking to Anita Creekmore about this the other day because we had an interview about um, conversation about building relationships, and mm-hmm. so we were talking about venting and things like that. And I was just so I I know I'm a like I'm a problem solver is my nature. So it's very easy for me to say, well, what if we did this and what if we did that mm-hmm. and what if we did this? But that's not helpful. Right. I mean, no. that, like in the moment, there might be a time when that could be helpful, but not when people are upset mm-hmm. or not when people are trying to express to you what they're struggling with. They don't just want you to throw a solution at them immediately most of the time. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, listening to understand and, and empathize rather than listening yes. to correct or answer or fix. That's it. That's yeah. it. And, and you know what? And they may not know it at the time, mm-hmm. but they appreciate that later on. Just mm-hmm. with you listening without having a solution, just mm-hmm. listen to me. You know, sometimes that's what they want. Right. Yeah. And then I guess you can say, would you like some help in brainstorming solutions? Right. Mm-hmm. Or would you like us? Maybe we can figure something out together if you're ready to do that. But in, instead of just dumping the gun and doing it yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Hey coaches, I'm just going to pop in here really fast because I want to share something with you that I am so excited about. My course for elementary literacy coaches, The Confident Literacy Coach, is live. It's up and running and you can get access to it right now. So here's the deal. When I started out as a coach, I struggled. I had trouble defining my role and communicating it with teachers and administration. And I honestly didn't even know that was something I was going to have to do. I dreaded PLC days because getting my teachers to collaborate, to speak the same language and create lesson plans together was a total nightmare. And I was so stressed out by modeling and co-teaching in classrooms that I actually avoided it for a long time. It was not a happy time for me, (laughs) but things got so much better. I figured out processes to help my teams of teachers work together. I focused on best practices and reading and writing and identified some high impact strategies to support alignment on my campus. And I began to spend more time in classrooms after I planned thoroughly with teachers before lessons. Basically, I started coaching with confidence. I've collected all the processes and tools that I used to do this work and I've put it all together in one place so you can coach with confidence too. The Confident Literacy Coach is your one-stop shop for everything literacy coaching in elementary school. You'll learn how to define your role and communicate it to your administrator, what best practices you should spend your time on, and my process for collaborative planning, plus so much more that will take your coaching life from frustrated and overwhelmed to effective and confident. You can check it out at Buzzing with Miss B.com. Just click the Confident Literacy Coach at the bottom of the latest post and you'll learn exactly what's in the course and why it will change your coaching for the better. I can't wait to see you there. Yeah, those are excellent essential skills to be aware of, just really listening and then paying attention to your nonverbal communication. Do you have any other thoughts on nonverbal communication and your interactions with teachers, like anything we should be aware of or any other tips um, that would help us kind of uh, use that as, as a force for good <laughs> in our conversation. <laughs> yeah. Just, and just to always be aware of how you are. And I know sometimes because when we're in our natural state, we're just in our natural state, but when we're coaching teachers and depending on what kinds of teachers we're coaching, because we could be coaching resistant or reluctant teachers, mm-hmm. we have to always just be um, aware of ourself 
at all times when we're interacting with teachers. So just that awareness of how you are and just to, you know, wear your poker face at all times. Right. Yeah. You know, I think maybe even recording yourself might be helpful. And I'm sure that you've probably done a lot of that in your line of work Mm -hmm. Um, because you probably, just like when you're teaching kids, you notice things that you do not see from your own perspective, right? Yes. And that's a great thing to, um, to point out is if you have a chance as a coach, mm-hmm. partner with another coach or with a peer and just have some practice conversations so that, and record them, just not video record them so that you can see exactly what you're doing because that'll bring about some things that you, you just don't know. Like uh, one person said to me when I did this, oh, you ask questions so slowly and you're really deliberate with it. And I, in my head, I'm like, I'm thinking about what I'm going to say, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, how I'm going to pose the next question. That's why. Mm-hmm. But just to record yourself so that you can see everything that you're doing. And that's the best way that you can make your corrections, especially with nonverbal com- communication. Right. Yeah. Because unless you have a friend, a good enough friend who's going to tell you, you know, <laughs> you're always, you've got an RBF, like, right? Like, like some of us, we just have it. Like whenever you're saying your, your face is at rest, it just kind of falls mm-hmm. where it falls. Mine is not always in a happy face. And so, yeah, sometimes we need our friends to tell us these things, but a video is actually a, even a better tool because it's going to be completely yes. honest. <laughs> So what are some of the barriers to good listening? Because you talked about how essential it is to be a good listener. What are some things Uh that get in the way? So one thing, and I mentioned this prior, but one thing is thinking about what you're going to say next or how you're going to respond. When you're thinking about your response, then you're really not listening to what the teacher has to say. When you are present in the moment, that means you're totally present. That means you're listening to everything the teacher has to say. So one of those barriers... um, to not down for you to become a good listener is for you to be right there present and not trying to think about something to say after that in the middle of them talking to you oh yeah i should say this and i should point out that that's what we want to do and trust me coaches we've all been there i'm not saying this like i'm the master at this because (laughs) i'm still practicing it but just to be able to be there in the moment and not think about other things to say while they're in the middle of talking to you. Mm -hmm. And another thing is having uh, a barrier to listening is having preconceived notions about teachers, whatever reason. Um, I remember what one time I was going into a building and I was prepped before I went into this building that this was a hostile environment. I was a new coach. There was a new principal The um, teachers were not receptive to the coach the year before. So I had all of this going into the building. So Mm -hmm. it was really very difficult for me to go in and not have a preformed opinion about these teachers going into this building. Mm -hmm. So if you can not have any of those opinions, that would knock down some of the barriers too. You know what? I was in a similar situation to that myself once where I was warned about a faculty at a campus. Um, I told them they're heavily unionized. They don't respond to change. And mm-hmm. it's definitely like it colors your view of people. You expect something different and that doesn't help you do just like whenever you get a class, right? Teachers shouldn't be telling mm-hmm. teachers, watch out for this one. And this one's this and that. You don't want to right. send a lot of negative messages about people before you get to know them because they might not interact with you the way they mm-hmm. interact with somebody else. Or it could have been mm-hmm. the other person initiating the issue sometimes. Sometimes coaches are not doing 
supportive work of teachers. And that's why the teachers didn't respond well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it definitely having those um, preconceived ideas about people is a huge barrier. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. other barriers that you can think of to good listening? Those are the, the two mm-hmm. greatest ones for me. Just not just coming into the conversation pure with the intent to listen and just not having those preconceived notions. And I'm, I'm glad that you compared it to having new students because that was another thing for me. Like I would not open the student records for about three months because right. I didn't want those records to shade my view of mm-hmm. the students, yes. you know? So um, yeah, just having those, um, you know, those are, are the barriers of listening to listening that has to be eliminate it in order for you to really do your job as a coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. So what tips can, do you have for, for coaches that they could listen more effectively? What are, we don't want to have preconceived notions. We don't want to have, um, we don't want to be constantly thinking about what our answers are. What are some mm-hmm. other things that we can do even to listen well and to show that we're listening well? Well, so that we're listening well, we can, while we're having conversations, use verbal clues such as, mm-hmm, right. not even, mm-hmm. and that shows that the, the um, teacher that you are actively engaged in their conversation without mm-hmm. actually having to say something behind everything they say. So, mm-hmm, right. yep, sounds good. Got it. So those little things, and it makes a great difference when you are having those conversations instead of just sitting there with your poker face right. <laughs> and not saying anything. <laughs> Yes. You have to use some of those verbal um, cues to help you. Um, another thing to listen effectively is looking at their body language. Mm-hmm. We have our body language, but looking at what they're doing. Are they, are they sitting or standing in a closed position? What is a closed position? Maybe they're standing there with their arms folded. You know, that's a very defensive position. So being able to pick up on their nonverbal and body language clues is another way that you can help to not only knock down a barrier to listening, but a tip for you to listen more effectively. Because a lot of times it's not about you. It, it's not about you. It's about something else. And you just, you're, <laughs> you just so happen to be there at that time. Right. So it's not about you, you all the time. And a lot of where we diffuse situations and the way that you do that listening and responding appropriately sometimes your response is not necessary I had a teacher not too long ago she came into my office sat down at the table grabbed a handful of dark chocolate Hershey kisses (laughs) just started talking and Mm -hmm. eating talking and eating and I was just sitting there listening and nodding Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. oh wow And at the end, she said, thank you so much for listening. Mm -hmm. I didn't say anything about her situation. I didn't give any advice, Mm -hmm. any suggestions, any recommendations. She just wanted somebody to listen to, Mm -hmm. to listen to her. So, you know, those are some other things that looking at the body language of the teachers, be aware of that as well, because those can give you some tips and some um, insight as to where you want to start a conversation with them if you want to start one with them at that time so right that's a good point yes yes that's true (laughs) some people have kind of a a lot of like an energy I don't know if you've experienced that where there are certain people whenever they are not in a happy place it just like exudes off of them like steam emanates yes Yes. 
and it's, it's incredible. And, and that always, that energy always makes me feel like, oh gosh, I don't know how to respond to this. It always sets me, like it always it knocks me off my balance for a little while until I get going. And then I feel like, okay, I can address. Now I know what it is that they're upset about. Now I know, you know, mm-hmm. where this is coming from. Now I know they're not just, you know, really irate at me and they, they could be, but you know, a lot of times they're not like you're saying. Um, so that does, some people just have that, that energy that just yeah. shoots right out at you. And it's it, sometimes it just even saying, Hey, is this a good time? Mm-hmm. And, and they'll let you know, because I had a teacher tell me, well, no, Ms. Matthews, actually, it's not a good time. And mm-hmm. I said, well, okay, it's fine. I'll come back later. Or you could tell me when you want me to come back. So simply yeah. asking just that question, especially when you see that energy coming from yes. them, you know, you're supposed to have, because I knew I was supposed to have a conference with her mm-hmm. and I walked in the room and she just didn't look right. <laughs> and so I said, okay. Today is not the day. <laughs> I knew it wasn't right. <laughs> right and so I asked hey is this a good time and she's mm-hmm. like no it's not not a problem I'll come back mm-hmm. and that's it yeah. being able to pick up on those nonverbal clues she told mm-hmm. me nothing I asked her and then she told me so mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. that's true and you're not going to accomplish what you want to accomplish that day if that is the place that the teacher is in at that moment yes yes So one of the things that, I mean, coaches have these conversations with teachers that are, they serve so many different roles. Um, They help teachers reflect, they help them learn something new, they help them problem solve. They do so many different things within the context Mm -hmm. of a conversation with a teacher. So where do you think we should focus our conversations with teachers and really spend the most time in communication with them? And you know what, that really depends on the circumstance. Mm -hmm. Um, Just like we differentiate instruction for students, we differentiate our coaching as well. So a conversation I might have with one teacher will definitely not be the same I would have with another teacher. Mm-hmm. So our focus um, of our conversations may be different. So they may be different and it's okay because we, just like we have to meet students where they are, we have to meet teachers where they are as well. Yes. So every teacher isn't at the same place. And whatever they are, that's where we come in and we pick up and we take it from there. Being a partner, not um, a dictator. So we have to keep that in mind as well. So as a partner, what would you do to partner with this student, with this teacher in order to have a better and more productive conversation that's meaningful for him or her? Mm -hmm. And, you know, the focus with the conversations with teachers could be anything. And I hate to sound so broad. (laughs) I hate to sound so broad, but it really does make a difference because, you know, a teacher may be struggling with implementing small group instruction. Mm -hmm. So that's where my conversation is going to be with that that, um, teacher. Mm -hmm. How are we going to do this? Do we need to sit down and make this, implement this 21 days to small group instruction plan and we go through it step by step? Or you have the concept of small groups and maybe you need some research-based activities to help you move that along. So what does it look like? So your conversations with teachers can be everywhere. And again, I hate to sound so broad, but listen, listen, and you'll find out what kind of conversation to have with those teachers. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think that's a good point. If we go in sometimes with an agenda, um, that might not be responsive to what teachers need at that time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and it's funny that you should bring that up because I had that experience too. In the school where the teachers were, where I was briefed before I went into the building, right. um, about halfway through the school year, there was a teacher 
And she said, Ms. Matthews, I would like to thank you so much for not having a sheet of paper and sliding it across the table and telling me I needed to do A, B, and C. Oh. And I'm like, oh, you're welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and my intent is always to have a conversation and sit with and do things with teachers and not to them. Mm-hmm. And so when you establish that type of tone from the beginning, your coaching work will be easier, much more easier. Um, the other day I was talking to a teacher virtually after I observed her and she wanted to know what could she do to help her struggling readers. And one thing I noticed during the observation is that the text that she had the student reading had more than five words on that page that were difficult for the student mm-hmm. to read. Mm-hmm. And so with me just giving her those brief tips as to how to help struggling readers, uh, you know, don't worry about the proper nouns when you're reading. That's not the important part of the story. And you have to pick up the pace so the students won't lose comprehension. All of those things that she said, you are always so nice to me. And I'm like, oh, thank you. <laughs> and so, <laughs> I'm like, well, thank you so much. And these things come as a shock because mm-hmm. not that I go in to try to be mean or anything like that, but I just want the teachers to see me as the partner that I am. We are working together. I'm, we're not working against. What can I do? How can you use me mm-hmm. to get you to where you need to be in your instruction? So those conversations are based on where the teachers are at that time and what they need. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think that's great. And that takes a lot of thoughtfulness and a lot mm-hmm. of listening skills. Like you're saying, it takes a lot of um, responsiveness and you have to kind of be prepared to go in any direction, right? Like you have mm-hmm. to kind of be like, okay, well, if the teacher needs academic support, what can I do? If it's like actual content, mm-hmm. if they need instructional strategy support, what can I do? If they need to problem solve about management, what can we do? You have yes. to have like a lot of knowledge and a lot of, you know, tools, even though it's not that you're going to go in and say, well, you should do this, this, this. But when the teacher is mm-hmm. ready for that supporter to move in that direction, you need to know what direction they can go in. Uh-huh, so you uh-huh. have to be very well versed to be able to respond to whatever te- whatever a teacher needs. And, and you do, and you have to stop and breathe and listen for a minute and gather your thoughts before mm-hmm. you speak. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, you don't want to tell them to do A, B, and C. You want to give them the opportunity to come up with some things for themselves and just to co-think this through, think mm-hmm. it through together, and see what we could come up with. And so, you know, in your conversations, they will look different. However. You have to remember that we have to make sure that the teachers are a part of this process. Right. They have to be a part of it in order for them to take ownership. Mm-hmm. So we have to keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So how can a coach grow in this area of communication? What are some things that they can do? Well, we talked about something a little earlier, um, videotaping themselves so they can really look and listen to what they are saying and doing. So um, recording yourself, um, maybe shadowing or following another coach to see how he or she is doing with communication, Um, looking at some emails. Uh, Currently, um, the other district literacy coach that I'm working with, we always look at each other's emails like, hey, how does this sound? Is that tone right? Before we send them to whomever they need to be sent to because we want to make sure that our communication is crisp and clear non-threatening <laughs> yes. and and really conveys the point that we're trying to make so yeah recording yourself um even like with 
you know, we have Chrissy here, the, the podcast queen, listening to some of <laughs> Chrissy's things. <laughs> she, she has an abundance of information <laughs> about this. And just um, reading, doing mm -hmm. some reading. There are a lot of, there's so many great, okay, just now, um, coaching conversations, transforming oh, yeah. your school one conversation at a time. Oh, Love God. this book by Linda M. Gross, and I can't pronounce her last name. And <laughs> yeah, Kelly Oak, I'm not sure. Yeah, it looks yes, like Kelly that's it. Yeah, or Kelly Oak. <laughs> but this is an excellent book. And I would advise, you know, to, to just read some of these things. And, and you don't have to read them all at once. You know, in between yeah. time, just pick it up. You know, if you're looking for something in particular, you know, how to improve your body language, how to um, mm -hmm. use nonverbal clues, pick up a book, record yourself, mm -hmm. listen to your recording, look at your recording. Get some of your peers involved, another coach, a really good friend, a teacher leader, if you're close to administration, get them involved. And that's how you can improve and grow as a coach in terms of communication skills. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I have definitely showed people emails and said, what do you think? And you know, another thing that I sometimes do, and this might sound weird, I actually just talked about it in an episode that came out a while ago. Um, about how to respond if a teacher's upset with you. Because, <laughs> you know, whenever you respond to those emails, that yes. they were angry when they sent it. You can't be angry when you send something back. <laughs> That's right? right. So sometimes I will write an email and I will email it to myself. And I don't mm -hmm. know why seeing it in that format and like opening it and going through the motion mm -hmm. of being the receiver, it's like it's a totally different, like somebody else sent it. It is so yes. weird. And you can really see, uh oh, that that's gonna be misinterpreted, or that sounds a little <laughs> snotty, or you know, you can kind of notice all those little things that whenever you were typing it out that you thought you were being, you know, completely professional uh -huh. and <laughs> you know. Uh -huh. uh -huh. That one's helped me a lot. <laughs> yeah, and that's and and please do that everyone. Um, it only takes a minute. If you right. are in the moment, if you read an email and it's like, oh my goodness, this is nasty. Step six feet away from the keyboard. <laughs> Do some triangular yes. breathing. Mm -hmm. Then come back and respond. Yep. Do not respond on your phone, wherever you are. If you're in the middle of Walmart, do not respond to that email. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Okay, great. So what do you recommend that coaches do if they realize in person that they're in the middle of a not so good interaction with teachers, that maybe it's taken a left turn and it is not going well? Um, can you excuse me for one moment, please? Sure. And then I'll get good up. One. And <laughs> good one. Okay. I'll get up and leave. But yeah, you have to be able to know when to stop. Um, I know as a coach, we have a job to do. However, there is a time when we just have to back away. It's okay, it's okay. You will encounter situations that may not have been something that you were briefed about mm -hmm. <laughs> and, it, and it's okay to back away. So really what I would do if I saw that a conversation was going to the left, I would say, excuse me for one moment, please. Can we please continue this conversation another time? It doesn't have to be wordy. You don't have to go into the why, you know, just because I'm pretty sure the teacher that you're with probably, they probably know why this conversation is ending, yeah. but you know, never be afraid to remove yourself from any situation. Um, you have that right. Um, you don't have to be in this um, contentious conversation the whole duration of your time. So just great.
respectfully um, ask or remove yourself from the situation and revisit it at another time. Mm-hmm. The other time may be not even be scheduled. I may be doing something with some other teachers and peek into the classroom and say, hey, is everything okay? Can we pick up where we left off? Mm-hmm. You know, so something of those along those lines, because, you know, we're all human and we don't know what to make us snap. Right. <laughs> and we don't know what happened during that conversation that made somebody say, okay, this is not going well. Mm-hmm. So we don't know. We're human. And as a human, you have to know how to retreat and know when to retreat. And it's okay. Just excuse yourself. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. I'll be back. And then just leave that. You have to leave that there. Yeah. Sometimes there are, there are those conversations that are getting to the point where you're not going to be able to reconcile that at that time because emotions mm-hmm. high, people are too upset for whatever reason, um, could be about you, could not be. And mm-hmm. like you're saying, if you maybe give them a little space, they might have, um, some perspective on that and you might have some perspective on that as well. And then you can come back to it and hopefully have a more productive conversation. Mm-hmm. Later. <laughs> Later. <laughs> yeah. So what is the number one takeaway that you want people to walk away with from this conversation? If they only remember one thing, what should they remember? If you remember one thing from this conversation, I would like for you to remember that communication is a two-way street Mm -hmm. and it goes both ways. So you have to be able to, how can I say this? You have to know how to read people Mm -hmm. non-verbally. And you have to know how to respond in appropriate ways. So, you, and, and just know that if you have an unfavorable response, it may not even be about you. The teacher may have spoken to someone else before he or she has talked to you. Mm-hmm. So don't take everything personally <laughs> if it goes to the left. Yeah. So the one takeaway is that communication is a two-way street and to be able to um, pick up on those nonverbal cues in order for you to have better conversations with teachers. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Thank you so much. How can people find you online to learn more? Hey, well, you can find me on Instagram at literacy at work. Uh, I am there all the time, like probably too much, but it's so exciting there that I can't stay off of it. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite as well. Yes. I know. I'm, I'm looking at everybody. So yeah. Instagram at literacy at work. And my website is www.literacyatwork.net and you can find me there as well. All right. Perfect. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Melanie. I appreciate you um, coming on this podcast today, taking your time to share that information with us about communication and to, um, to, you know, make sure that our coaches are prepared to do the best work possible. I really appreciate that. Thank you, Christy. I'm so happy that you had me on. I had such a good time and I thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) All right. And uh, coaches until next week, happy coaching. Thank you for listening to buzzing with miss B the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching.